There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Uh, before we start today, a bit of shameless self-promotion. Site Visibility has recently published the Ultimate Content Promotion Guide. It's the most comprehensive guide to date, and in it, they break down all of the content promotion tactics, tricks, and tools you'll ever need to help you achieve content marketing success. You can download the guide, plus a handy printable content promotion checklist for free by going to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, slash ultimate hyphen content. Now today we have a recording from last autumn's Brighton SEO featuring Philly Visa, renowned technical SEO expert and ex-Google engineer. Um, he was on the show back in April last year, 2018, and he talked about Google penalties. In today's recording, he covers page speed optimization. Enjoy. First up, we have here um, somebody who is a, a CAB member for Deep Crawl, ex-Googler, and SEO consultant at Search Brothers, uh, Philly Visa. So we'll kick off the day with him. Hello, everyone. It's an absolute pleasure today to be kicking off uh, this track uh, for today for you guys here at Brighton SEO. Now, I am here to talk to you about and to help you make your websites faster. So I'm hoping that you're in the right session, uh, because that's what we're going to talk about. And the reason why we're going to talk about that is because speed matters. Is it active? I always run into that. The first click doesn't work. Let's see. There we go. So uh, speed does matter. And it matters for a number of reasons, not just because Google has been promising us for quite some time that uh, we get a ranking boost, and they reiterated that at the beginning of the year. This is something that is nice to have, but to be very honest, very often, it doesn't really materialize. We don't see the actual ranking boost that uh, much happening. What we really care about when it comes to page speed is we want our websites to be indexed and crawled so we can actually rank. And that's where PageSpeed most definitely helps because Googlebot is a conservative crawler. From a user perspective, obviously, we also care about PageSpeed for a number of reasons. Uh, different studies have shown that 
bounce rate is tied to performance, uh, which basically means that if we wait for a moment, we lost the user. Yeah? We need to be mindful of this. We need to be fast. Uh, among others, because the reputation of our website depends on it as well. Different studies have shown over time that users are less likely to come back to us or even click on our search results, which again impacts our SEO. Now on top of that, we also care about uh, PageSpeed because of conversions. In the end of the day, that's why we have a website. And for that reason, we need to make sure that we actually uh, make conversions. And the more conversions we, uh, the better the speed, the more conversions we make. And the opposite is also true. So we need to make sure that our website is fast. So how do we do that? Well, there's a number of different reasons how we can do that. Just talk a bit about the basics. We need to make sure that our Primary content is as fast available as possible to the user. That means that the user can interact with our website as fast as possible. Uh, that means that we need to reduce page uh, size. Yeah. At the moment, the average is, is about 1.7 megabytes for desktop, 1.5 megabytes uh, for mobile. That's actually quite a lot. Uh, we actually need to narrow it down to 14.6 uh, compressed kilobytes for the initial rendering. Yeah? Ask yourself that, can we do that? Yes, we can, but we do need to separate our resources. So we need to have critical CSS with non-critical CSS and load it accordingly. Yeah? We can also use media queries as well as link annotations to load only the CSS that's necessary. Like for example, for print yeah? or different desktop size, uh, the screen size. So there's multiple ways that we can go about this with CSS. In addition to that, we can also use CSS to load web fonts later as well as not at all. So if a connection is too slow, we can use the font display uh, attribute in CSS to say, hey, you know what? It takes too long to load this particular web font. Let's not load it at all. Use the system font instead, making the user experience faster. On top of that, we do need to optimize JavaScript as well. Now, a lot of people talk about optimizing JavaScript like, okay, uh, how do we do that? Well, first of all, errors can actually slow down the rendering and parsing of your JavaScript. Now, you can actually see uh, our friends at uh, Build Visible, they put a nice tutorial out there how you can uh, capture the errors that your users are encountering with Google Analytics. It's a nice guide, so check it out. Uh, one important thing is when we're looking at optimizing JavaScript, it's very important to keep in mind that it's not about kilobytes. It's really about what are we sending, not how much are we sending. Because every little byte and code line of JavaScript, even a single line of JavaScript, can really take a long time to process. So we need to be mindful of that. It's really not about the kilobytes. It's really about what are we sending. Uh, we need to profile our JavaScript. Now, funny enough, in April, they did this uh, using the HTTP archive for mobile. And here we see the most popular libraries and what I would like to put your attention to is, in this case, React is the slowest library out there uh, on average. So if you're making a decision which library to go with, use these type of metrics as well. Yeah? Uh, I would not use React at this point after seeing this graph. That's just me, though. In addition to that, we need to profile our JavaScript. We can do this within Google Chrome DevTools, so check that out, too. Uh, if you do load... Uh, popular libraries, keep in mind that if you use CDNs, there's a good chance, popular CDNs, there's a good chance it's already in the cache. And often the CDNs are faster than your server on this, so use that. Having said that, using popular libraries also means you're probably loading code that you don't need. So cut away the mustard, see if you can basically only load the parts that you actually need to load. There's no point loading a resource of, uh, say, 100 kilobytes when you only use 10 kilobytes of that. Can we dump the other 90? Yeah. Um, 
We also need to optimize images. We have multiple ways of doing this with source set for pixel density, etc., or sizes. All of these things are possible. Uh, I would recommend you to use these. Uh, optimize images by compressing, smart compression or normal compression. All of these things can be done. You can use different formats. There's a whole bunch of formats out there. They're not always supported by the browser, so have a fallback. That's always something to keep in mind. Um, if you want to know more about how to optimize your images, I recommend that you check out images.guide. Uh, there's an extensive guide there on uh, image optimization. Yeah? And we'll put some of these questions forward. You can also give this nicely to your developers. Um, one of the other topics that often comes up with image optimization is lazy loading. And lazy loading is absolutely something you can do. Uh, keep in mind that it doesn't always work properly for SEO. So choose the right... Uh, lazy loading uh, solution. On top of that, Chrome is actually starting to also lazy load them uh, itself. So that means that we may not need to lazy load soon at all on our side anymore. So that's something nice if the other browsers copy that too. Are we there? No, absolutely not. We just got started. Um, so this is like preparing for a marathon. We haven't even, uh, we are just at this point arriving at the starting line. We're not there yet. Really, we're just at the beginning. There's so much more that we can do from a page speed optimization. So let's talk about that, what connects us, which is the connection. Yeah? At this moment, according to some studies, about 29% of the connections uh, happen over 4G. That means the opposite, 71% doesn't. Now, if we take the 1.5 megabyte, that means most of us are waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah? That is horrible. We really need to optimize. This is, again, where the page size actually matters. Yeah? The connection of the user isn't that often, often not that great. Now, uh, there is a new feature being built in, in some of the browsers, and I expect that to, uh, to uh, go to other browsers as well, which is called the Network Information API, where we, as a website builder, can actually see what network the user is on and use that accordingly. I'll show you a tip on how to do that in a little bit. We also need to be aware of server connection. That means that we need to make sure that our servers actually can handle the load, that our connection between our server in the data center and the actual rest of the web is also fast. This especially matters if you're not in, an over, uh, in a general data center or a cloud data center like Google Cloud, but if you are, for example, uh, hosting your own server in your basement or the server in the basement of your office. This is something that really becomes a problem. Also, make sure you have enough resources, really important, enough CPU, RAM, and all that kind of stuff. On top of that, also where you put it actually can matter. So you want to put it as close as possible to the user. At the same time, from an SEO perspective, we want to put it as close as possible to Googlebot. So in my case, for the last bit, I like to put it in the Google Data Center in the US because I know it's closer to Googlebot. Yeah, it helps with the PageSpeed part there. Um, if you can't do that, consider using edge servers where you basically put a varnish server or uh, another type of server like that and put that in a data center while you keep the primary server in your basement of your office. Yeah, these are solutions you can use for the public sections of your website, thereby making the public part of your website faster. Now, on top of that, we do need to optimize for HTTPS. Uh, HTTPS, obviously, most of you probably have moved to HTTPS. If you haven't moved yet, uh, keep in mind that you can still optimize your website before moving. Uh, there's a nice article about this that I wrote. I'll share that later. Um, when you do move to HTTPS, make sure that you enable OOCSP stapling. This is uh, kind of like a... Uh, cache of the validation of your certificate happening on your server that can, send, can be sent with the certificate at the same time that the user visits your website. It saves some time checking if the SSL certificate is valid. 
Yeah? So we can save, in this example, up to 300 milliseconds, just for the check if the SSL certificate is valid. On top of that, we want to make sure that we actually have moved uh, our uh, website to, uh, with preloading, HSTS preloading, which means that we actually default to HTTPS instead of HTTP. Because most every browser, unless you're HTTPS preloaded, will <coughs> default to HTTP. So if your site's on HTTPS, there's always two requests that have to be made if someone types in your domain name. First for the HTTP, because that's what the browser defaults to, unless you type in the protocol, but show of hands, how many people type in protocols? Yeah, no one does. And also your users don't. So this is why. Um, on top of that, when we optimize for HTTP2, uh, HTTPS, we also need to use HTTP2. HTTP2, the simplest way and uh, easiest way to think about HTTP2, it's, it's all about packets. One connection and everything gets pushed down through that. That means that we need less connections. That means also domain sharding suddenly doesn't work anymore. The technique that we've been using for years. Also CDNs is now actually a problem because it adds an additional host name now. Yeah? So that's a challenge we need to do. Also, concatenating resources and loading things in bulk, we don't want to do that anymore. Only load the resources when necessary. This actually helps us on the front end as well, so keep that in mind. Uh, there's a couple of other things. Some users may not be enabled uh, with a browser that uh, allows HTTP2. Well, the good news is HTTP2 defaults back to HTTP 1.1. But then the optimizations may not work, so you can also say, hey, you know what, I'm going to detect what the user is using. Yeah, this is a simple example on how you might detect that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. HTTP2 also allows us to use uh, server push. Server push is basically a smart server. So that means that the, the server will push additional resources before the browser is asking for it. As a result, it's already there by the time that the browser is ready parsing and wants to request the other resources. As a result, the page loads faster. Using Smartly, this can greatly improve our page load. Um, in this step, we can compress our headers, and because we're also on HPS and et cetera, we can use resource hints. Resource hints allow us to make the handshake earlier, for example, or prefetch uh, pre certain pages if you already know that the user is going to go there. Uh, if you do use resource hints, I recommend if you add them to the HTTP headers, they tend to be slightly faster. 
Yeah? Uh, make sure that you also use browser caching. Really, cache as much as possible. Use version control numbering to, uh, to load new versions, but cache as much as possible. Uh, it's always good for the user. Don't make, basically, the connection, the bottleneck, on why your page speed is slow. Yeah? Now, do we stop there? No, absolutely not. There's so much more that we can do from a back-end perspective. We can optimize code run. We can optimize which server soft software we're using. We can uh, check, for example, if you have a WordPress install, profile that WordPress install, because in this situation, you see that over 60% of the page load is determined by the, by the plugins. So what if you delete half the plugins? Would that be faster? Well, probably if you just delete that big one, which, by the way, is total cache, supposed to be f making our website faster, is responsible for that load. Yeah? So this is something that we need to be mindful of. The other thing I find very concerning here as well, here you see 32 uh, queries, database queries, being sent out for the homepage, because this was a homepage profile. Yeah? So it's 32 queries being done to the database to render a page. I'm pretty sure that half of those are static values that never change, or almost never change. How about we move those to the theme instead? Yeah? So even from a WordPress perspective, you can still do a lot of optimization. Um, when you go a little bit further with custom software, you may also want to say, like, hey, you know what, like, let's do a little bit more. Let's optimize the database. Do we need an SQL database, no SQL database? What's faster? Uh, do we have expensive join queries? Let's get rid of them. All of this type of things you can do from an optimization point of view. We can cache some of these results also in memory, in RAM. We can cache them on disk. There are multiple solutions. I've done this also with one of my websites, and I got five seconds off from 5.2 seconds to 0.19 seconds yeah, by just implementing these last few backend examples. Just that. I didn't do the front-end yet. I didn't do the connection yet. Just the back-end only. There's so much there to be gained in the back-end. So do optimize it. Yeah? Like you, we want to make sure our back-end is clean as well. So as such, I often get the question, is AMP then the one-stop solution? Yeah? Because AMP is very hyped at the moment. And a lot of people come to me like, hey, how about I AMP my website? Well, AMP is Google's solution, not necessarily ours. Uh, what AMP is, in a nutshell, is very simple. We're talking about, basically, we have the basic elements of a web page. We take out one and we add, another, uh, add it back. But now we Google approved. Yeah? Uh, it based, it's based on uh, AMP cache, which then does pre-rendering in the search results. And that is what makes it fast. It's the pre-rendering that makes AMP fast. The pre-rendering in the search results. AMP itself is not necessarily fast. I'll show you in a second why. Um, we have advantages of using AMP because a lot of users that use the internet may use that, uh, that have a bad internet connection. We also get the increased visibility, which we care about as an SEO, obviously. Uh, there are some challenges because we now have become dependent on the AMP cache, also from a delivery point of view, but also from a maintenance point of view. Keep in mind that our website updates, we still have to update the AMP cache because that's being served also to users and we don't have access to server logs anymore. Yeah? So there's a couple of things that we lose. Now, one of my biggest beefs with AMP is, is that it's actually rendering blocking. Yeah? Because the JavaScript of AMP is loaded in the head, not deferred or asynchronous, but it's render blocking. And as a result, here you see an example of a page being loaded. And you see here, here, there, it's being loaded. Uh, that's the AMP rendering. Yeah, that's the AMP JavaScript render. It takes 3.8 seconds to render. This page, simple AMP example, a non-AMP example of the same page, barely any JavaScript, 2.7 seconds. So 
can I do it faster without AMP? Absolutely. Yeah, I just save 1.1 second by not using AMP. Um, so keep in mind that even the guys from the AMP team said, if you know what you're doing, you don't need AMP. Yeah? Um, a lot of people think, well, we get traffic boost from AMP, so that's why we do AMP. Well, double check that, because it may not apply to you. Yeah? Uh, one of my other beats with AMP as well is that we are so focused on, is an AMP page valid versus is that page actually fast? Because as you just saw, an AMP page isn't necessarily faster than an optimized mobile, uh, mobile page. But we are focusing as a metric, is the page valid for AMP? Instead of, is the page faster now? Yeah, we're asking the wrong question because we're trusting that AMP is faster. And that's not proven at all. Um, so we need to really ask ourselves when to use AMP and when not to use AMP. We, Google has other technologies as well. So for me, this is a better technology for those areas like WebLight. You can actually see if you are exposed to that within Google Search Analytics, Google Search Console. So check that out. You can also learn from some of the things that WebLight is doing to, and apply this to your website to see how can I make my experience better. So takeaway here is absolutely keep tweaking for speed, even with AMP. Yeah, you still need to further optimize. Just implementing AMP does not mean you're faster. So how about PWAs? Oh, I love PWAs. Uh, PWAs are basically the bridge between web apps and mobile apps. Yeah, between the web, websites basically, and mobile apps. And they're lovely. And the cool thing about it, it allows us to really reach into the mobile devices and other things uh, to, to basically Im uh, improve the user experience with notifications and stuff like that. But the key thing with Progressive Web App is the word progressive. That is the backbone of progressive web apps. Progressive web apps uh, is based on progressive enhancement. That means if the browser doesn't support it or the network connection doesn't support it, it is not used. So you still need the basic functionality and basic content there without it. Um, if you want a good example, look at Twitter. They're a good example. Microsoft is getting very excited about PWAs as well. As such, they have built also this tool that allows you to convert your website into PWA. so check that out. And you can also, if you do use AMP, you can combine that with PWAs as well. So check that out too. One of the examples that I mentioned earlier for the Network Information API, this is an example where you can use the PWAs to basically say like, hey, you know what? We're going to detect using the PWA Network Information API if the user connection is fast enough, if it's a 2G connection, 3G connection, 4G or broadband connection, and basically say like, okay, you know what? It's a broadband connection, we serve video. It's a 2G connection, we serve a low uh, resolution image instead, yeah? thereby making the page speed experience for the user similar yet fast. Yeah? Uh, if you need some metrics why uh, you need to upgrade to, AMP, uh, to PPWAs, double check this website out because there's a whole bunch of use cases on why this actually drove up conversions. Yeah? So do check this out. So create your AMP today, uh, PWAs today, really you do need PWAs. PWAs are the future. So how do we measure our performance? There's a couple of things that we can do. A lot of people of us are focused on this graph, but keep in mind these are just the averages. So it's a nice indicator, but it's not our final metric that we should go by. Instead, we should focus on user-focused metrics. We can use the, user, uh, the Chrome user experience report, which is built in, into PageSpeed, which we also can query on the main level, which is something that most people don't know. You see origin operator within uh, PageSpeed Insights, and you'll get it for your site on that level. Uh, Screaming Fork has a, has a way of actually mass scraping PageSpeed Insights. You can use this, 
be mindful of this, though, because you're basically doing DOS attack on PageSpeed Insights tool. Uh, you can compare your, uh, uh, your website to your competitors with the Google scorecard. You can also say, hey, you know what? We're going to record our own metrics, uh, how the user is actually performing, uh, and piping that into analytics, which we then pipe into Data Studio and generate some nice graphs. Yeah, we can do this. Cool thing is about uh, Deepcrawl as well, with their JavaScript crawling, one of the things you can do there is actually collect a similar amount of data and actually see how your website is performing during the crawl. So check that out too. There's an article link here as well. And try out Lighthouse. Yeah? Lighthouse, pretty cool tool built into Chrome, but also as available as an extension which allows you to also export. Uh, now, Lighthouse also has NPM packages, or like some people have created NPM packages based on Lighthouse, that allow you to crawl multiple URLs. The cool thing with Lighthouse is you can export to JSON. So that means now if we can crawl multiple URLs using Chrome Dump on a daily basis using an NPM package, we can now put, store that JSON into, for example, Google Cloud, pipe that into BigQuery, and pipe that into Data Studio. Now we get stats on a daily basis. Yeah? And nice graphs that you can share with your manager. We should also profile our, our server response, see how fast our server is responding, as well as our network. Yeah? How good is our network performing on a first byte perspective? It's very important to pick a metric and pick more than one preferably. Yeah? Keep measuring. If you don't measure, you don't know what you need to improve. Couple of quick takeaways. Uh, basically, we need to optimize. We need to shed that extra weight. As simple as that. Uh, just like in real life, this also applies to our websites. Yeah? Um, healthy diet, all part of it. And uh, we need to optimize all parts of the experience. Don't focus just on front-end. Back-end is just as important as front-end, and as, as I hope that the five-second game has shown you. Yeah? Uh, use also all the tools at your disposal. It's really important. Just don't focus on one tool only. Use it. all the tools. Try it all out. And most importantly, every byte, really every millisecond does count. Having said that, my name is Filiwiese. I want to thank you very much. If you want a copy of the slide deck, send me an email through this website and uh, make sure that your inbox can handle 20 megabytes because I do get bounces. Thank you for listening and I'll be around for questions later on. Thank you. This was originally recorded at a Brighton SEO conference. If you want to listen to more episodes or find out about the conference itself, you can do at brightonseo.com. So thanks, Philly. Uh, the show notes can be found at sitevisibility.co.uk slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review so that we know how we're doing and we can help more people. And um, questions and suggestions, the email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk or you can tweet at sitevisibility. Uh, remember that we have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. So that's all from me and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.